Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR at 5am. Uh, my name is Shane, I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? I'm good, Shane. How are you going? Uh, well, as you know, I'm going quite badly. I'm recording from my bedroom again today because I have COVID at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh excuse me. Oh, that was very, very well-timed cough, that was. A well-timed cough. Well, they haven't all been so well-timed this week, unfortunately. Um... How you? Do, well, what have we got for the listeners this week, apart I, from my complaint? It's amazing how dedicated you are to the housing issues for older people that you drag yourself off your sick bed to the radio microphone, muffled as it is, coming from through the phone line, unfortunately, but we can still hear you. Um, today we have an interview with Kerry Byrne, who is a member of the Safe Housing Public Housing Collective and also a new group, which she's going to tell us about. Um, talking about some of the issues that public housing tenants are facing and what they're asking the government to do in the lead-up of the election. So we might go straight into that now. Awesome. We're joined, to, we're joined today by Kerry Byrne, who is a public housing tenant living in Melbourne. How are you going today, Kerry? Good, thanks, Fiona. That's great. So you're from the Safe Public Housing Collective and you've also formed a new group to talk about public housing tenant issues. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the groups? Well, we've just formed it really in response to the need to shine a light on what's happening with the public housing system because it seems that the government is reducing it to a bit of a basket case. And up until now, that's been happening mainly through the privatisation of um, estates that they're redeveloping largely as... um, private housing, in other words, getting rid of the public housing land assets and just keeping a portion of of each of those estates to then be run as social housing once it's all redeveloped. So, but, but what we've been finding over the past few years is that um, the public housing system itself, in terms of its responsiveness to uh, tenant issues, has been markedly, um, you know, the quality of what they're doing is just deteriorated significantly. So there's three areas. Mainly, most importantly, it's with regard to maintenance. Serious maintenance maintenance issues aren't being addressed in a timely manner. And also the administration of public housing through the local housing offices has been um, wound back very much. And also there's an issue with our rental rebate reviews. So would you like me to 
say a bit about the maintenance first? Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about how tenants are finding it. So basically, for listeners um, who may not be aware, the public housing estates in Melbourne have been subject to what's been called the Public Housing Renewal Program, which is the privatisation that Kerry was talking about. But also, as well as that, they're allowing the Office of Housing that, that administers the public housing estates to be really depleted over time. So how is that impacting on tenants and, and what are you hearing on the ground around maintenance in yeah. particular? Well, um, just complaints from everyone. We have a social a social media group where um, public tenants come on and report their issues. A lot of it is around mould. That seems to be a very widespread problem. Also, leaking roofs seem to be common. And, and other structural building issues that aren't being um, dealt with in a timely manner. And I think all of this mould, leaking roofs, building problems, it probably all relates to the department not addressing the structural building issues that arise when properties are 40 years old or so. Um, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, Fiona, but 10 years ago the Auditor General did a report where he said that 10,000 public housing properties were approaching obsolescence. Now, I mean, we'd probably argue a lot of them could be fixed up, but the point is that they, generally speaking, weren't weren't repaired in the sense that the the government hasn't really um, hasn't really started a big program to renovate public housing you know they prefer to pull it down as we've seen with all these estates which they tell us are past their use by date so um, I guess that's the reason why we're getting all these problems but they're just not being addressed in a timely manner and that's why we want to have a rally to um, to shine a light on those issues a couple more that I can speak of personally in my street um, one family had termite issues very badly and their concerns weren't being addressed so my neighbour got involved and um, finally the house was sprayed, all of our houses were sprayed but um, they still haven't fixed all of the damage from the termites. You know, apparently there's really, there's significant damage to all the wooden skirting boards and the architraves and all of that and um, what can I say? This is just a widespread problem everywhere. Broken heaters aren't being replaced, so people have to, um, you know, live in, in relatively cold winters because mm. of that. Mm. And the Victorian Ombudsman released a report oh, yes. earlier this year talking a little bit about just how bad the complaint system is. Um, when you say that things aren't being addressed in a timely manner, are you getting are the tenants getting much joy when they go to the Office of Housing to complain about this? Well, I can tell you that my local housing office told me that they get 10 referrals a day from the Ombudsman. In other words, that's 10 complaints a day that the Ombudsman is referring back to one local housing office. Mm. And you're right about the Ombudsman. Uh, she wrote a damning report about the complaint system and the way that maintenance issues were being addressed both in the public housing system and community housing. Mm. And that was three months ago. 
and to the best of my knowledge, the minister has not responded. She made some recommendations on how things could be streamlined to be more um, responsive and effective, but um, the minister, neither the present minister, who's obviously fairly new in the job, nor the previous minister did bother to respond to mm. her report. So we've um, created a list of demands that we're hoping to give the minister's office on, on Friday. You know, things about addressing maintenance, having forums to hear from tenants across the state, uh, conduct an audit of maintenance contractors. One of the uh, common problems that we've all experienced is you know, we report an issue sometimes multiple times and then the contractor goes back to the maintenance call centre and tells them that we weren't home. Mm. And that is just, mostly that is not the case at all. It seems that they claim that um, so, they, so they don't get fined for not doing the job on time. Um, Look, I had a relatively minor issue that I reported nearly every week for three months and the maintenance call centre would tell me, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to get on to this. They're, you know, they're definitely going to be fixing this. And then in the end I was told that, um, well, you weren't home when they came. Mm. And this was after three months of reporting it and I just got jack of it. And um, for, the moment, for the meantime I've left it. And I know that... Fiona, I just wanted to point out, I know that um, in comparison to being homeless or having to pay private rental, uh, exorbitant private rentals that leave you without money to eat properly, you know, our, our issues are relatively uh, minor in the sense that, you know, sooner or later they'll probably be dealt with, but um, we just thought it's so widespread, uh, we need to... Um, highlight this at this point even though we know that other people that, that you know there are 24,000 Victorians experiencing homelessness and you know the waiting list for uh, on the Victorian housing register um, there are 50,000 households waiting for for public or community housing but nevertheless the, the system must improve. Mm. And do you think this is an um and do you think they've got a motive here in terms yes. of letting letting the public housing estate and the stock run down to such an extent that they yes. can justify having to knock it over rather than renovate? Yeah, having to knock it over, but also um, our concern is that they want to reduce public housing to a basket case in order to justify handing over the assets and the tenancy management to the Corporatised Housing Association, mm. yeah. who we know do such a great job of managing their housing. I mean, I have to say I do hear complaints all the time. We have a friend at the moment who's been dealing with her mould issues in housing associations. And it does seem that both public housing tenants and community housing tenants, we probably should be using the, um, the Residential Tenancies Act much more frequently in order to have these issues addressed. In other words, we, we really need to um, take serious issues to VCAT in order to have them addressed. Yeah, and considering the backlog that VCAT's got going on as well, I don't know if that would be any any better, to be honest. I know that there's been calls from some sectors, um, VCOS and 
Um, a couple of other NGOs are calling for a housing ombudsman to cover sort of a streamed housing ombudsman to cover public and community housing and also private tenancies as well. Has Have your members thought about, um, do they support the idea of an ombudsman or is it just about getting the Office of Housing to act so you don't have to complain? No, I think, I think a housing ombudsman is definitely necessary and I think, um, if I recall correctly, uh, Deborah Glass, the ombudsman, did make that recommendation as well, I think. Uh, my concern is that we actually need a housing commissioner. In other words, someone who can direct the state government what they have to do mm. so that the state government is obliged to listen. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, I mean, I think what's happening, and maybe we can talk a little bit about this in the context of the Herald Sun article that was around on Saturday as well, but with the creation of Homes Victoria as a corporatised entity to manage the public and community housing in Victoria, they're really shifting away from having that within government now. It all is like they did with VicTrack, like they did with Vic Forest, and it sounds like what they're going to be doing with Vic Roads as well is, is creating this corporatized entity run by a board that has a CEO at the head, Ben Rimmer, um, who, and that, that, that model means that they do have all of a sudden a profit imperative instead of a social um, imperative. And I think that shift is being felt by tenants on the ground by the sound of it. Um, perhaps, Kerry, you could tell us a little bit about the rally that you've got planned for Friday and what you're asking people to do. Okay. The rally is planned for 12.30 this Friday, the 28th of October, and it's to be held outside the Minister for Housing's electoral office, and that's at 28 Shooter Street, Mooney Ponds. That's spelled S-H-U-T-E-R. And it's just a short walk from Puckle Street, so you can easily get there by train or tram. Bring signs. And um, we've said that anyone can bring up any of their housing issues, whether it's um, public housing, homelessness, exorbitant private rents. Um, but we needed to particularly focus on what's happening with public housing at this time. Mm -hmm. So that was 12.30 this, this Friday, this Friday, the 26th of October in Mooney Ponds. It's the 28th. Uh, oh, sorry, the 28th. Of That's October. all right. And um, and you will be you'll be there, and so will the Save Public Housing Collective and the new group. Um, what was the yeah, new group called? Yeah, that's right. And we so we hope some public tenants will come along, and all of our supporters. And um, yeah, as I said, any other if, if if you want to talk about your homelessness situation or your housing association landlord, you're welcome to to come along and speak as well. We'll try to give everyone a chance to speak. So a broad coalition of people that have housing issues at the housing minister's um, electoral office in Mooney Ponds. And that's right, 28 Shooter Street. That's right. And Kerry, let's just have a, before we finish up, let's talk a little bit about what, what we saw on the front page of the Herald Sun. Would you be able to describe that article um, that appeared in, in the weekend papers? Well, just in brief, um, the Herald Sun is stating that Homes Victoria needs a massive bailout to save it from financial collapse. And they're, uh, I think they did some FOI requests. They're claiming that the agency continues to operate at an unsustainable loss and it's being propped up with cash from the Andrew government's signature big housing build. However, um, some of us in the Safe Public, 
say public housing collective find that hard to believe that um, it's more likely to be the other way around that the big housing bill has overextended itself in in two ways because they've got very high redevelopment costs there's nowhere there's no there's very few public housing vacancies that are suitable for the relocation tenants the tenants that need to be relocated so they've been spending a lot of money on private rentals and also spot purchases of private housing um, yesterday I was speaking to a friend at the Ascot Vale estate and um, you know one very large block was um, is being redeveloped there and one of her friends has been um, put up in a quest apartment for the last four years. So that's one example. And wow. I know of many imagine, examples. Imagine how much that must be costing. Exactly, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I wanted to say about that was, um, yeah, it, uh, the problem with the article is that it makes it sound like the public housing system is being propped up by the big housing build. And that's what we would question uh, for another reason, as well as all the um, exorbitant relocation costs that they're faced with. What I've found from my research in previous times is that public housing is actually not running at a loss, that there's a profit of around 80 to $120 million every year from public housing rental income once the costs of maintenance and council rates and a couple of other categories are deducted, um, there is a healthy, a very healthy profit, but we're not sure where that money ends up, whether it's ploughed back into the public housing system or whether it's directed to Treasury's general revenue. Now, I suppose I have to say that I haven't done that research for a few years. It, it was kind of a lonely thing to do because nobody else seemed to be interested in it, even the academics, but hopefully that will change now and I do have to sort of get back onto it and have a look at the, um, the last few annual reports and see what's been going on. But you can generally say, judging by what is published in their annual reports, that they do receive quite a sizable income from tenants' rents and that, and that doesn't explain the alleged loss of Homes Victoria. Exactly. Now, we've got um, a, a colleague in the, say, Public Housing Collective has um, posed some questions that it would be good to ask Homes Victoria about all this. Do we have time? Sure, yeah. Him? Yeah, okay. let's hear him. <clears throat> so we need to know what the net rental profits are spent on or whether they're diverted to Treasury's general revenue. There should be a full disclosure of Homes Victoria's financial position before the election. Are any of the costs relating to the public housing renewal program and the big housing bill being charged against rental income? And also, this is kind of a future issue, but I think it's worth mentioning. What's the impact on revenue going to be of the new housing stock that's funded by Homes Victoria but will be managed or owned by housing associations mm. compared to the revenue that would have been realised if the stock had been retained as public housing? Because um, not only will the housing associations be paid to manage 
that social housing once it's finished and you know these are the estates which were previously public housing but also um, there's a question around where the rents will end up will they stay with the housing associations or will they go back to um, the department or the homes Victoria but I would say they'll stay with the community housing providers yeah so I mean what's the government getting out of all this really well, I think they're getting rid of the headache of public housing and that's what they don't want to deal with, which I think the whole idea of, of public housing having to turn a profit at all is is an anathema really because it's a housing is a it's public... A public service. Exactly. It's like a, health and education exactly. and transport. Yeah, and you wouldn't be expecting public schools to be making money, so why would you be expecting public housing to be making money? Exactly, Yeah. exactly. But, you know, a vast number of public tenants do work and, uh, yeah, we think that public housing rental income is very healthy. Yeah, and I do think that it's, it is a lot of really good questions that would be great to have an answer from. And one of the things that we've found at HAG is it's really hard to find any information. It's, it's even in the Herald Sun article, as much as I loathe the Murdoch media, they also couldn't get the information with an FOI. Um, and it just seems to be part of a pattern of... of not very transparent information around housing and what's going on. Exactly. Oh, can I mention one more point regarding to the Herald Sun article? Mm. Um, it's been pointed out by a member of the Safe Public Housing Collective that some of these developments have actually been done by Homes Victoria on its own without a private partner. So on the one hand, you've got MAB as a private partner at Preston and Northcote, etc. But when you look at Ascot Vale and also Tarakan out at Heidelberg and possibly also the Flemington walk-ups, they're all being redeveloped by Homes Victoria on its own, which means that they're funding the private part of those developments, which is the main part, right? And not just the social housing. So that surely might have meant that they've overextended their capital expenditure. Mm, that's a good point too. I, had, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Um, so for listeners that didn't catch the information, the Safe Public Housing Collective is organising a rally at the Housing Minister's suburban office the in... The Public Housing Frontline. Sorry, the pub, sorry right. Public Housing Frontline is, uh, is planning a rally this Friday the 28th at 12.30... And the address is 17 Shooter Street. 28 Shooter Street. 28 Shooter Street in Mooney Ponds. Mooney Ponds. Bring your signs. it's easy to get there by train or tram. Yeah, so there's a train that goes through Mooney Ponds on Puckle Street and there's also a couple of trams that come through. The um, number 59 specifically. And the 82 from Footerscray if you're in the western suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I forgot that. Don't forget us poor Westies. Well, it's, it's great to have you on again, Kerry. Um, we look forward to hearing about how it goes. And if you get any answers to any of those questions, do do let us know. We'd be very interested to keep following with the story. Absolutely. We'll try to pin them down and get some answers. Great. Thanks. Good on you, Kerry. Thanks, Fiona. See Bye. you later. Bye. <laughs> Bisexual Alliance Victoria is a not-for-profit organisation dedicated to equality and justice for multi-gender attracted people, including bi, pan, regardless of label or no label at all, their partners and allies. 
Bisexual Alliance runs discussion groups in person and online. The group offers a safe and fun space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your sexual identity and provide peer support. Bisexual Alliance is especially keen to hear from multi-gender attracted people in regional and rural Victoria. Donations of $2 or more to Bisexual Alliance are now tax deductible. For more information, visit our website at bi-alliance.org, email info at bi-alliance.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. A 3CR supporter. I'm Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR, 8.55am. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I did want to talk briefly about the Retirement Villages Act review. Um, listeners, uh, if you've been with us for a while, will know that the Victorian government has been reviewing the legislation that covers Victorian retirement villages over the last few years. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they released uh, a draft of the bill that they proposed to amend the Retirement Villages Act. Uh, and they've asked for public comment. The submissions are open until the 28th, which you will notice is not very much time uh, for such a, a large piece of legislation. Um, it, it's tapping out at the 28th because that's uh, the time that the government goes into caretaker mode with the state election coming up. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Hag's had four main uh, points on its agenda for retirement village reform or retirement housing reform more generally. So I might just very briefly talk through those and how the, the bill addresses them. Uh, number one is fairer fees. We don't really see that the legislation that they're proposing will make fees fairer for retirement village residents. That's a big concern for us because um, if you know anything about retirement villages, you know that fees, especially the exit fees or deferred management fees, uh, are where a lot of the biggest problems and the, the most outrageous exploitation happens. We've called for standard contracts simpler contracts. Uh, the legislation does introduce provisions to allow for standard standardised contracts, which is a big uh, improvement, although the, the detail remains to be seen. We've caused, called for uh, mandatory training and accreditation for retirement village managers because, honestly, you wouldn't let a lot of these managers manage, you know, the local under-12 football club, much less somewhere that's full of vulnerable people. Well, I guess that's a bad example because... Your under-12 football club probably is full of uh, vulnerable people, but you get my point. Um, there's nothing in the legislation about training or accreditation uh, or management standards generally, which is disappointing. Uh, and we've called for an ombudsman to deal with retirement housing complaints. Legislation does not introduce an ombudsman, but instead a new sort of conciliation process run by someone called the Chief Dispute Revolution Officer. Uh, we, I think HAG has pretty big reservations about whether that's an a, appropriate way to try and deal 
with the big power imbalances that we see between residents and operators in retirement villages. Uh, so that is my very brief summary of the Retirement Villages Act review uh, draft amendments that uh, you can check out on the Engage Victoria website at the moment. Uh, no doubt HAG will continue to make submissions and lobby well beyond the 28th as uh, some sort of legislation gets closer to some sort of parliament where we might be looking at after the election. Um, Fiona, is there anything else you want to talk to the listeners about or is it time that I give out some contact information? Yeah, I think it's time to give out the contact information. I can do it if you like, Shane, seeing as you're unwell. You cannot. You've never been able to do it. No, I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip it. I actually have the numbers in front of me today. Unbelievable. I know. So if you're interested in wanting to politically get active around the issue of housing, maybe put in a submission to the Retirement Villages Act review or any other type of pre-election campaigning with us, you can call the office on 039654 7389. And if you're an older person aged 50 years and above who has a housing issue that you'd like to talk to us about, you can call our intake line on 1300 765 178 and you can also drop into the office these days. We're open. Um, Ross House is open between 10 and 3, so you can come in and visit us at 247 Flinders Lane in the city as well, which is pretty exciting. Um, that's all we have time for today. Sorry that you're unwell, Shane. I hope you get better. When you get better, we might actually talk in some more detail about what's going on with the Retirement Villages Act. Um, but until then, we're going to hear a song, um, and that song is called... It's by Lou Bennett and the Sweet Cheeks, and it's called Still Goes On. See you later. Bye.
球。